Broadcasting from the Business Radio X studios in Atlanta, it's time for Dental Law Radio. Dental Law Radio is brought to you by Oberman Law Firm, a leading dental-centric law firm serving dental clients on a local, regional, and national basis. Now, here's your host, Stuart Oberman. Welcome, everyone, to Dental Law Radio, and we're going to jump on a topic pretty quick today that has been an ongoing issue for years, and this was brought to the forefront even more with COVID-19, independent contractors, so near and dear to our dentist hearts. So, you know, exactly what is it? What's the issues? So, you know, with independent contractors, uh, we get a lot of questions should my, you know, we'll, we'll get a question. Should my employees be independent contractors? Well, you can't, you can't have an employee that's an independent contractor. They're either an employee or independent contractor. Two separate contracts, two separate concepts. So as a general rule, it is very, very difficult for staff members, if you will, to be independent contractors. So we get this question a lot regarding hygienists. Are my hygienists independent contractors? I don't want to pay them. They have certain work they need to do, certain qualifications. And I will tell you that as a general rule on a national basis, the areas that we have been in with invo- involved in, commentary, research, consulting with, with other members throughout the country, that will be a losing argument. Just about every jurisdiction that we've we have reviewed, discovered, run across, will determine that an in, that a hygienist is not an independent contractor. They're an employee. The key is time, place, and manner. If you control the time, place, and manner, as the IRS puts it, then you've bought that employee, and then they are yours. So the question is, you know, so working interviews, well, if you look at the strict interpretation of a working interview, I will tell you, you got to be very, very careful with working interviews. In a technical sense, working interviews are considered temporary employment. Now, there's certain things that you can do with those to mitigate that risk, but as a general rule, working interviews are considered employees from the time they start that particular working interview, period. Again, that's a general rule. If you follow that rule, that's going to keep you out of trouble. But then the question is, I got doctors that I pay 1099. Problematic. What do we do? Well, I pay them individual. Problematic. That's a really bad thing to do. If you have a doctor that is working for you, I don't care if it's one day a week or five days a week, that doctor if you're going to qualify him as an independent contractor, you should not be paying that doctor individually on a 1099. That doctor needs to get an entity formed. You need to pay that entity a couple hundred thousand dollars or whatever it is, and that will look much better if an audit should occur. We've had we've been involved in audits, and investigators have told us that literally. If you are paying an LLC, a professional corporation, depending on what state you're in, we would not be sitting here. That's pretty strong. So I would not hire 
a contractor, dentist, unless they have an entity. Pay that entity and let them do whatever they need to do with their taxes. So what, what, what brought all this, all this out and, and, and why are we talking about this today? So January 6, 2021, through all the COVID good stuff, the U.S. Department of Labor issued what they call a, a final rule. Well, the final rule has been going ongoing, it seems like, for 20 years. But they're, they're, they have a very consistent theme as to what they're looking at, what they need to do. And I will tell you that if you have a question whether or not a person is a, a contractor, employee, err on the side of caution, make them an employee, talk to your CPA, give us a call, and we'll try to walk you through it. So what, what? So with January 6, 2021, just Department of Labor, what, did, what was the rule? What came out? So they reaffirmed the economic reality tests. So one of the things they looked at is, is, in this, is this independent contractor in business for himself or herself? Is that particular individual economically dependent on potential employer for work? Do they need you? Who needs who more, you or them? There's two core factors that they also cited and reviewed. The degree of, the, the, the degree of control, which has been ongoing for, for, for 30 years. Time, place, and matter. What is the worker's opportunity for profit or loss? What basis of initiative and or investment are we looking at? So now, again, we got two. Reaffirms the economic reality tests. Then we've got two factors, degree of control and the opportunity for profit or loss. So then the Department of Labor, in their infinite wisdom, went on to offer three other guidepost factors. Again, this is a whole topic for a whole other day that we could talk about for five hours on independent contractor status, time, place, manner. Does it fit? Does it not fit? Does it apply to my practice? Not apply? So what what are the three other guidepost factors that the Department of Labor indicated that we should consider? The amount of skill required for the work. What is that skill level? Degree of performance of the working relationship. And whether or not the work is an integral part of your unit of production. Now, if you look at those three guideposts, that's an enormous, enormous umbrella. So, again, all this came about during the period of COVID. But if you look at if you look at where this this has been for the last thirty or forty years, really nothing has changed. It goes back, like I said before, time, place, and manner. And this looks at the Fair Labor Standards Act. Now, if you're hearing that term for the first time, uh, I, I would honestly urge you to, you know, to reach out to us, get us, get us to put you in, on our newsletters. This is what essentially guides the employees, independent contractors, the Fair Labor Standards Act. That is critical to the operation of a dental practice. doesn't matter if you're one practice, three employees, or we've got 100 employees, 30 practices. It doesn't really matter. 
But these these are key things that you should be consulting. You're in. You should be consulting with your CPA on your financial advisors on a yearly basis to understand what you're doing, where you're going with it, because the the ramifications are really huge uh, on the penalty side, on the um, uh, on the economic side, on the expansion side, and, and on the operational side. If you get hit with an audit, because I would tell you, once they discover this. You know, they may go back 12 months, but once you get the Department of Labor, state or federal, digging in, they're going deep because one thing leads to another, leads to another. And another thing we look at, a lot of times our doctors will employ family members. So are you employing your family members? Are you employing that 10-year-old child and giving them an eight or $10,000 check because they took pictures for your pamphlet? Are they on your internet? How are you doing this? Are you paying your personal services through the company? Again, as an independent contractor, how are you paying? It all goes back to what are you doing with your books? What shouldn't be there? And whether or not you're going to get caught, because I will tell you, if you get a complaint to the Department of Labor from an employee, they're coming in. They're going to look at who's an independent contractor. They're going to dig deep on all 1099s. They want to know. 1099s. So take a look at that. That's some new developments. Again, but conceptually, it's been, it's been out there for many, many years. Uh, do not get a contract for an independent contractor. As you pulled off the internet or got from someone who didn't know what they were doing, and all of a sudden you're using terms like it, an independent contractor, employee, employees, control. Those things are, are, are the death kill of an independent contractor agreement. So, again, some of these things were, were just, you know, what have we discovered? What's sort of the hot areas, if you will? Uh, what's coming down the pike with the Department of Labor? What to expect? Um, sometimes there's no guidance as to really how these are, t- are going to be interpreted. So we just have to go to, from prior history, which is, you know, never necessarily good. But, um, you know, take a look at where you're at on your practice. Who's your independent contractors? Who are you paying? Who's on the payroll? Who's not on the payroll? Who should be on the payroll? What are you doing internally? What are you doing with family members? What are you doing with everyone that's not business-related? And how, how hard will you get hit if, there is a, uh, if there's an audit? So um, uh, concluding, we're going to, you know, go going forward on some other internal matters with employment issues. So, again, very high level on this, 10,000-foot view. Um, we're going to take a look at it. So um, I want to thank you for joining us today, Dental Law Radio. And uh, if you have any questions, please feel free to give us a call. Over in my law firm, 770-554-1400. Visit us, obermanlawfirm.com. Uh, send me an email, which is certainly fine, Stuart, S-T-U-A-R-T, at obermanlaw.com. And um, excuse me, that was obermanlaw.com. Have a fantastic day, and uh, we'll look forward to um, visiting with you on other, other podcasts. Thank you very much.